Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Today we continue laying some foundation for our study of 1 Thessalonians as we have in the last several broadcasts, talking about the city, what it was like, where it was located, why it was significant, looking at the book of Acts to see the history of how it was that Paul came to Thessalonica in the first place and what 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 compelled him, what motivated him to do that. And of course, the big motivation was he was forced out of Philippi because of persecution. And so... He left there and was looking for another place of ministry, and he found it in the city of Thessalonica. But that was not just a random choice. That wasn't just because he said, well, this looks like a place that might be interesting. Why don't we just stop here? But it's clear that Paul had a very well-thought-out strategy in mind to determine which cities he would bypass and which cities he would minister to. Now, we left the broadcast yesterday pointing out that Paul used his citizenship rights for the purposes of advancing the gospel. We saw that in the city of Philippi, noting when he did not mention his Roman citizenship and then a day later did bring up the issue of his Roman citizenship and why that is significant. He didn't mention it when he was getting the beating, I think I would have, to be honest with you, I think I would have if I, if I had known that, that they were doing something that was illegal to a Roman citizen and I was a Roman citizen and I could stop the beating by reminding them, by telling them I'm a Roman citizen, I think it's pretty likely that I would have employed that, that, particular, uh, that particular tool in order to stop the pain, the suffering. But Paul didn't until the next day when the magistrates wanted them to leave the city quietly and Paul said, oh no, you you cast us into prison, you beat us publicly, you cast us into prison publicly, and you did that to Roman citizens. Uh-oh, you are Roman citizens? Yep. And as I pointed out yesterday, I think... And I'm only speculating because the Bible doesn't say, but I think he did that in order to provide a huge measure of protection to the church. Once the magistrates were aware that they had violated the rights of a Roman citizen, and that is a very, very serious crime in the Roman Empire, 
then they were going to tiptoe very softly around the church that Paul had founded. They are not likely to bother it, not likely to molest it, not likely to irritate it in any way whatsoever, because if they do, the church might just decide that it would be helpful to report to the higher authorities that these magistrates had violated the citizenship rights of a Roman citizen, and they would be in heap big trouble. So I think Paul was protecting the church. And what that tells us is he didn't use his citizenship rights primarily for his own protection, for his own freedom, for his own advantage, but oh, how he used it for the advantage of the gospel and of the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his attitude. That should be my attitude. That should be the attitude of all of God's people. But I pause now and welcome you to this Thursday, February 1 edition of the Beacon Broadcast and remind you that we can only teach God's Word on the station with the help, financial help, of radio listeners like you. Thank you for considering it. All right, so we need to move on. And now we are still looking at the book of Acts, chapter 17, as we see how it was that Paul came to Thessalonica. They left Paul and Silas and uh, some others, perhaps. Timothy and Luke were certainly with them in Philippi. They aren't mentioned when they go to Thessalonica. So it seems likely, again, speculation, but I think sanctified speculation, it seems likely that Paul left Timothy and Luke behind with the church. He hadn't been able to stay there as long as he would have if if he hadn't been forced out. He probably hadn't had as much time as he wanted to to establish that church firmly upon the foundation of God's Word. There were a lot of things that, that he would want to teach them before he considered that church ready to stand on its own. He couldn't stay there and teach them, so he probably left Timothy and Luke behind because they were not as well-known as Paul and Silas. They had not been invited out of town <laughs> like Paul and Silas, who the magistrates begged to leave, but apparently Timothy and Luke were not included in that particular action, so Timothy and Luke stayed behind. Timothy, we know, is a preacher, a young preacher, but a very effective one, a very faithful one. Luke, we, we really don't have any record of him speaking publicly, but he sure was a stalwart soldier of the cross, a fervent champion of the gospel, a wonderful helper and supporter to those who were preaching the Word of God. And so Timothy and Luke no doubt stayed behind. And Paul and Silas started down the road south from Philippi going toward, well, toward Thessalonica as it turns out. But let's read about it in chapter 17 of Acts. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that 
the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. Now that would be the closest thing to an indication that Timothy and Luke were not with them. Why? Because it doesn't say in verse 4, and a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. Paul and Silas apparently were the only ones here at this time. But now let's notice, as they started down that road southward from Philippi, they passed through some other towns, Amphipolis and Apollonia. These are not insignificant towns, but not nearly as significant as Thessalonica, and actually not quite as significant as Philippi. But they skipped those cities. Why? Don't they need the gospel as much as Thessalonica? Why skip those? Because, I said, Paul has a strategy. If he will plant churches in population centers and in cities that have a lot of, of um, commerce, a lot of travel, a lot of people coming and going, then the gospel is likely, almost inevitably, going to spread to surrounding towns and cities. But if he spent the same amount of time in a small city preaching the gospel and establishing a church, it would be wonderful to have a church in that city, but that church would probably not have nearly the opportunity to spread the gospel to those around them. So it was a matter of strategy, and Paul skipped two towns that are named and a good many others that were not named because he traveled 100 miles to get to Thessalonica. And one of the reasons why he selected Thessalonica is told to us here. It's because they had a synagogue. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. If you study Paul's missionary journeys, you will find that he always looked for a synagogue. And nearly every city where he ministered and planted the church, he started in a synagogue. Now, synagogues were not in every city, but they were normally in the larger cities. There was not one in Philippi, but Paul did minister there. I think he was surprised not to find one there, would be my guess because Philippi was certainly large enough to have one, but as it turned out, there wasn't one, because it took a minimum of 10 Jewish men to establish a synagogue. And if there weren't that many, weren't that many present, weren't that many living there, weren't that many committed to starting a synagogue, then they'd have to wait until they had the required minimum number. That is not a, um, a biblical teaching or precept, but I don't think it's a very bad idea when we think about how many people does it take to establish a church. I know that's a little bit far-fetched, perhaps, from what we're talking about, but 
Are two or three people gathered together in a house? Is that a church, biblically speaking? No. They can, they, can, <laughs> they can enjoy the presence of the Lord, where two or three people are gathered in my name, said Jesus, there am I in the midst. That's a wonderful truth, but is it a church? We know a lot of people today, at least some people today, who have gotten enamored with this home church idea, house church idea, and that they picked up from, from the New Testament, primarily from the book of Acts, where they see how many churches did meet in homes. And people are always looking for something novel, and they're often always looking for ways to be more biblical, but sometimes miss the heart of what really is biblical and what is, what is incidental. And I think this house church idea is something that's a bit incidental, except that we don't see any indication that a church meeting in a house was a church until there were enough people to have elders, plural, and perhaps deacons, plural. It takes quite a few. I think the idea of waiting until you have at least 10 adult members, I wouldn't say 10 men, 10 male Christians, but at least 10 adult members, and preferably more, before you can properly organize a group of people into a local church with pastors and deacons and a recognized membership. But be that as it may, Paul found an active synagogue in the city of Thessalonica, and so he said, that's what I'm looking for, that's what I always look for, just Trace my first missionary journey, and you'll see that's where I go when I come into a town. I go to the synagogue first, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And so Thessalonica met that requirement, and Paul said, here, we will stop and stay a while. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.